Support for Film Comment comes from Sundance Institute, home to the Sundance Film Festival, returning January 24th through February 3rd. Additional info, including pass and package details, at Sundance.org. Black Panther director Ryan Coogler sat down for a wide-ranging conversation in a one-night-only event, presented by Film Comment and supported by Art House Convergence. Watch the entire conversation with Coogler at filmcomment.com slash blackpanther. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nicholas Rippold, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment. Our last Film Comment talk of 2018 happened last week. Our guest was Matt Dillon, star of The House That Jack Built, a Lars von Trier movie you may have heard a little about. Dillon talked about the challenge of playing the star character, a serial killer, and the pleasures of working with von Trier. The talk took place at the Film Society of Lincoln Center and was moderated by my colleague and a superfan of the film, Maddie Whittle, in the Film Society Programming Department. Please note that at one point a film clip was played, and just so you know, it's a scene where Dylan's character is talking to a clueless police officer at a house where he has just murdered someone. The house that Jack built is an IFC Films release. Let's listen to the conversation. evening. Thanks for being here. Thanks. So everyone has just seen the trailer for The House That Jack Built, and I want to dive right in. I want to ask how you came to this film and what brought you to it, what, what drew your interest, what was the process of your co- initial conversations with the director, Lars von Trier, uh, what was your knowledge of and interest in his work prior, and uh, just sort of what, what brought you to Jack? I was in Italy uh, with my girlfriend when I got the, we were driving. I don't remember exactly when I got it, but I remember when I was reading it because I was driving. She was driving. I wasn't reading and driving simultaneously. And um, it was definitely the most kind of unusual script. I'd, ne- I'd, I'd never read a script that was quite like it in I'm talking about just in the style and the way in which it was written. Um, it was very evocative, the way a novel is, but it wasn't a novel. But it often scripts tend to be a little technical, and they they're not as enjoyable reading as. But this was really, it was really a world in and of itself that I was drawn to, and uh, and we were driving along, and I was reading through the script, and I started to laugh, and she said, "What are you laughing at?" And I said, "Well." This guy just ran this woman over with his van. And, and I said, well, yeah, I guess you'd have to have read the script to know why that was funny. Um, and uh, so then I, that was my experience. And I thought, well, this is a great character because it really is, it's not your typical uh, kind of, I don't know if there is such thing as a typical serial murderer movie, but or, but it's not a typical crime movie, uh, which usually there's a, an investigator of some kind, a kind of moral counterbalance. This kind of puts you in 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 the seat with uh, with Jack, with the with the serial killer in this case, and and uh, at times you're even kind of complicit in in a way with him. Um, and so I met with Lars 
I was in Europe, so I went and met him in, in Denmark, and we talked, and we had a we had a pretty good chemistry right away, and uh, um, you know, he told me a little bit of the history of the project. In fact, he had he had the film written on the wall, like he had it, it he had it sort of charted around the wall, you know, the different uh, sequences. I'd actually, I think I have pictures of that somewhere. I'm going to take pictures of that. And uh, he said one thing to me that I remember. He said, I take responsibility for my films. And I was like, okay, that's going to be important for this movie, I think. Um, and presumably uh, that's uh, a, a real statement coming from him. Yeah. Because he gets called to account a lot for his film. Oh, yeah. But he stopped caring a long time ago, I think. And I guess uh, we should preface our conversation with just to lay a little bit of the groundwork of, of the, what, how the film tells Jack's story and the, the sort of chapter sequence, um, the way that the narrative is structured. There's, there's a, a framing narrative where you hear in voiceover Jack telling a story to somebody that you gradually... And that, that somebody is responding. Yes. And that somebody yes. is Bruno Gans, right? Yes, they're yeah. having a conversation. Verge, his name is. And uh, it becomes clear that they are on a journey somewhere. And while they're on this journey, in voiceover, you hear Jack narrating this sequence of incidents. They're called, they're numbered incidents. Uh, each one centers on a murder that Jack has committed, sort of broadly speaking. Uh, and it spans uh, how many years? I mean, I'm I'm asking you. I should know these things, but uh, it spans I think twelve or sixteen years. Yeah, or something. it's a chunk of his life. Twelve. Yeah. Twelve? Who said that? <laughs> All right. Okay. Twelve years. Twelve years span. Yeah. And so we're really being told the story by the man himself, and it's I think one of the things that makes it a very unusual portrait of a serial killer is that we're being he, he is presenting these events to us just sort of as a way to pass the time, it's suggested, on his way somewhere. What kind of preparation did you do for this role of, of getting into the head of a very obviously psychopathic person? Well, it's interesting because I think, for me, I have to go back to the character of Jack and myself as an actor and the way I approach things. and. You know, typically I have this very strong sense of responsibility and, you know, uh, I like to prepare as much in this film. We did have time, you know, often now people, uh, you know, are making films and they have to come together so quickly and they're like, oh, I'm great. When do they want me to start? Like next week. And I'm used to having more time for that. And this film, we did have that time. And that was kind of scary because that gave me time to think about backing out, you know? Can I get out of this thing now, you know? And it was not because of Lars, because I I really admire his his uh, him as a filmmaker, but just going to that dark place and playing and, and going to this world and going into that character um, was, I had my my uh, reservations and uh, but I did commit to it because of Lars because I liked him I liked him personally too I have to say I found him to be that we had, I had a good chemistry with him I liked him and um, and uh, we 
I, I think the thing that in talking about preparing for the this movie um, and this character really was uh, something. I think at the core is all about freedom, and I think that's why Lars is a, a great filmmaker. Is the environment on the set was all about freedom, freedom to fail, you know, to try things and 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 uh, maybe not succeed, and but that we can do it again, and so you know um, we never rehearsed, and I don't mean like, I mean we really truly never rehearsed. And that was, you know, one of the things that uh, that we talked about, and I agreed to that. And I agreed because I knew it was coming from the right place. I mean, often when an, a director or an assistant director says, um, let's shoot the rehearsal, it's usually not a good sign. It usually means that they're in a hurry, they're falling behind, they want to, you know, they might make, they might spin it to make it sound like, oh, we want to see what, what's going to happen. But in the case with Lars, when we would be on the phone before, you know, months out before we started shooting, and we would start, we'd get into a place where there was some sort of uh, miscommunication or misunderstanding about what was going on, and we were having a debate about something. He'd say, you know, when we're on the set filming, that's when we have to stop everything and, and do just what we're doing right now, which is to have, like, the hell with it. Let's just... That's the most important time to do it. And it's so counterintuitive to what most people say, oh, I'm really glad we got this conversation out of the way now so we don't have to deal with it when we get on the set. With him, it's the opposite, you know? And so the fact that we didn't rehearse, and sometimes we were doing like six pages of dialogue, long sequences, long scenes, was a little bit, uh, you know, something I wasn't, that I'm not really used to. And I'm not used to cooperating with that kind of thinking. I'm like, hey, let's. This is for us. This is for us actors. And I think I think the camera department feels the same way. However, that's precisely why we do this, right? Let's see what happens. You know, let's really see what happens. And uh, that was great because it for me, all my schemes and ideas and and plans and ideas about how I'm gonna you know, create this, they go right out the window and I'm forced to stay in the moment just to, to be there. And it's, it's really great. And the one time I said to him, I said, Lars, I think it was a scene that I had with this great actress, Riley Keough, who's in the film. And I said, I think we should rehearse this because it was a very physical scene. And he goes, okay, can we do one like that after we do one without a rehearsal? <laughs> so I said, okay, all right, let's go. Come on, let's do this. You mentioned you have had some some reservations about um, sort of the what it would require to get so up close and personal with such an evil character. It's a it's an unsettling experience to watch the film because you are so up close and personal with such a terrible person. And no, really, <laughs> Jack. There's a way that jackets under your skin. And I wonder uh, what it turned, what the reality of playing him felt like and in your relations with other actors and was it what you anticipated? 
Well, yes and no. I mean, what I liked that there were things, there was, and I felt one of the reasons I took the job, I didn't do this film because I want to do a movie about a serial murderer or something. I did it because I wanted to work with somebody who I thought was really creative and a group. He's, he's got a great crew. And I knew that it would be an experience that I would walk away from it and I'd say, okay, I, I learned something. Because I've been doing it for a while and, you know, you you learn a little bit and then you start to think you know things. And, and I found the opposite to be the true, that there were a lot of things that I thought were rules. And those rules are not necessarily rules at all. They're just, you know, the rules are meant to be broken, you know. And... Uh, so I don't know what was your question. I'm sorry. I just I just kind of went. Got how, lost. how did it feel? How did it? Yeah. How did it feel? Well, there were d days that were very difficult, and I don't know how many people have seen the film or not. But there's some. Okay, we have some people here. Who, oh, that's good. You came to this talk afterwards. I guess you want an explanation for this. Um. Um. There was only one episode, right? That was. It's a, involves a picnic, and uh, I, it was difficult for me. It was difficult for me, and I think it would be difficult for probably anybody in a way. It's difficult as an audience person uh, member. And um, so there were days. I mean, I'm not uh, deluded. I know who I am. I know I'm Matt. I'm not Jack. I have empathy. Jack has zero empathy. You know, I know that. I'm not lacking that. So, and that the challenge for me at times was to play a character who has absolutely no empathy. You know, that was very challenging for me at times. And, um, and you know, I think there's a little part of that that there's the personal ego involved. Like... It's a risky thing to do to play somebody like that. I'm aware of that. And of course, you know, there's that old thing that nobody likes the sound of their own voice, you know? And I think it's that subjectivity that you feel. And when you're an actor, you can't avoid that sometimes. And, you know, it's, but the idea that seeing, I was afraid that maybe I would reject seeing myself play this character. And, um, and so when I went back to to uh, Denmark with Laura uh, with uh, Bruno when we had to do because as you said there was this it's a voiceover but it's kind of a conversation between Bruno Gans and I we had to re-record we had to record that and post and Lars grabbed a hold of me and said we have to watch the film together and I was like yes and I was figuring out how am I going to get it? Because I, part of me did not want to see it because I was so afraid that I would reject seeing myself play the character. And fortunately, I was able to get out of it for a few days, but we were there for more than a few days. So I ended up, I sat with him in the morning and we watched it. And, you know, I like Lars very much. And uh, it was just the two of us sitting there. And I made a mistake because after the, the, the movie ended and I was watching the credits. I turned to him and I said, wow, I really like it. And he looked at me and he said, what? <laughs> and I said, oh, no, I shouldn't have told him that. Now he's going to change the whole movie. <laughs> and, uh, but, um, you know, I didn't reject seeing myself play the character. And uh, that I felt actually 
you know, the way you feel sometimes when you take a chance and it, it worked. And that's how I felt in my heart, you know, that, I, that a lot of the things I was worried wouldn't work worked and, and like that. And, um, and I liked the other actors that I worked with a lot. It was a great experience, I have to say. It's a, and, you know, for me, and I don't mean to just, I know you guys, some of, a lot of you haven't seen the film yet, and there, is, there are things about it that are disturbing and upsetting, but, I mean, I think the film is more than, it's about more than what's there on the surface and the, um, and the, the cruelty and the evilness that exists that exists on this planet. Um, I was very disturbed to learn that when I decided to do this part. I didn't have an obsession with serial killers. It was not even that interesting to me as a subject. And I went online and I couldn't believe how much there is about this subject online, how many books are out there and how many, how much this is like a real part of the human condition, and we don't know anything about it. So it was... The fact that you didn't come to the project with an interest in serial killer stories, it's interesting because in some ways the film is about, as you mentioned, it's, it's very pointedly about more than what's on the surface and more than... And, and Jack is really a, a, an allegorical figure and you could you know, read a lot into what the film is saying. Um, and I'll, I'll get to that a little later, I think. But um, as far as the, the voiceover conversation between Jack and Virgil, which you said you, uh, you saw the film before? Well, we did the voiceover mm -hmm. in production. And then later on, after the film was cut together, we did it again uh -huh. in post-production. And that did, I think that the, the sort of philosophical ruminating that the two of them go back and forth with in their conversation sort of is a guide in many ways of how how to sort of read what's on screen, the scenes, the, the episodes as they play out. Was that something that was on your mind a lot? Were you thinking in terms of the, the bigger meanings and the philosophical subtext or? Well, there, there's a lot of stuff in there that really is Lars's own musings about it that are in that, in that way. I, I don't even know that I'm playing Lars, although he did say it was the character closest to himself, except that he doesn't kill people. He said that. And, you know, but some of that stuff was like, it is Jack and that Jack is this compulsive, obsessive guy. And, and uh, but he has this sensibility. He's a, a failed artist. He's an artist, but he's a failed artist. And, you know, he's an architect. He's a, he's a frustrated architect. And, and so a lot of that stuff is his kind of musings about art. And so that is where it's not just a typical, you know, thing that you're seeing on one of these television shows about serial killers and stuff like that. It really gets into more looking at it from the viewpoint of, I mean, I think of Jack as a failed artist and that story is about that in a way. And, uh, and, and I think the reason that he is a failed artist is because he has he's missing this very key component in human beings, which is empathy, right? It's a very good film I, I, that I liked called uh, Odd Man Out by Carol Reed. And there's a great performance in it by that actor. And he's an artist who 
oh, you know what? You'll have to see the movie. I'm not going to try and do this. I'm not. That's, yeah, right? Great film. Yeah. Go see Odd Man Out. Odd Man Out, one of my favorites. So I want to take a moment. We have a clip to show. So we'll run the clip, and then that'll, I think, give those of you in the audience who have not seen the film yet maybe a little more sense of what we're talking about and give sort of some more context for our conversation. So we can roll the clip. I, I love that scene. I think it, there's a lot going on there. Um, and I, I should have prefaced it, I realized, with a little bit of context just to say that uh, I don't think it's giving too much away to say that Jack has just killed the woman who lived in that house and for various reasons is still sort of on the scene of the crime and uh, is... He, he can't leave because he has OCD and he keeps thinking maybe... He... So he's been back and forth into the house several times to clean up the crime scene, but there's never anything there every time he goes back. and So even when the police come, he still can't get himself to leave. And I, I, I think it's a really brilliant scene as an encapsulation of Jack and the, the way that he is having fun with the cop, but also is, seems to be very serious about it. Has well, I think at a certain point he realizes that, I mean, the interesting thing is the first thing he does is he puts his hands against the van because he's, and it's out of context because you haven't seen the whole, there's a whole long sequence that happens before, several before that. And uh, he puts himself against the, the van because he thinks he's going to be arrested. And then I mean, he realizes that the guy is just asking to look inside the van. And maybe he thinks, he realizes that maybe he can manipulate this guy, that this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And, and so then he starts to toy with him a little bit. And because he's been so thorough about his own, in the earlier sequences, he has gone back and forth into the house because it's that thing where he thinks, maybe I, there might be a few specks of blood still somewhere, and there are none, and he keeps going back and cleaning up areas that, where there's nothing there. But, and he can't get himself to leave, you know, he can't, he can't get himself to leave. And I think it's very, when I was doing that scene, Laura said to me, you don't know how close this is to my life. Not, not, not the killing, but the, the, the cleaning up of one spot, you know, maybe that's dirt, you know, or whatever it is. In this case, it's Jack, it's blood, you know, obsessive compulsive. Did you see the similarities? Hmm? The, the... Oh, yeah, he said that. He said, oh, you don't know how close this is to my life, you know. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we have limited time, so I, I want to um, just very quickly zoom out a little bit and uh, ask, I understand you're working on a documentary right now? Mm, yeah. And just sort of doing a 180, um, going from making this film and uh, now showing this film on the one hand and then... Uh, on the other hand, you have your other work, and, and can you just mm. talk a little bit about what you're working on and how, how it all... Yeah, well, that's a project that's really, I guess they call it a labor of love. I think sometimes it's a labor of masochism. You know, I mean, to do... I love it, I like it, but documentaries are really hard, and, uh, you know, they really are. I've learned that. It's very humbling, but... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's something... We're very close, I think, to finishing it, but... Um, 
that's something I'm working on. And I've gone back and forth to it for years now. You know, it's something that, but we're getting very close to finishing it right now. And for me, the best thing that you can ask for is to work with uh, talented people, especially, and it's a director's medium, and to work with a, a director. And Lars was a great director. And I had a great experience doing it. And uh, I should never have told him, I, no, that I, I really liked the film, Lars. <laughs> what? He became immediately suspicious that he didn't make the movie right. You know, no. you know what? I just say that as dark as the film is, it wasn't that way on the set. You know, and I hope that that transmits because I think that's important. You know, I love the film, and I'm excited for people to see it so that we can have more conversations about it. And yeah, I mean, Lars does say that the film needs to be digested over a period of time, which is totally understandable. So, like. Uh, doing the, the Q&A after the movie is always tough because like people are like, well, what can you say about the movie that wasn't just said about uh, in the movie, you know? Yeah. Well, on that note, unfortunately, I think we have to wrap up. Thank um, you, Maddie. So thank you so much. Thank you. been listening to the Film Comet Podcast with music by Greg Angie. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comet is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comet has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomet.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comet or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.